recording on. Checka checka. Okay. Uh, I get so paranoid about this stuff. Is, is this the show? <laughs> you don't want to have too, too much fun. Chicka chicka chicka. <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't think I recorded that far. John, we just did our first pre flight. I think it went well. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's your other show. <laughs> I feel. Your other, I feel, other show. I feel good about the, the pre flight also because. I need to get out of that thing that I do where I just jump in and I don't know what we're going to say. I'm just worried it's going to, I don't want it to turn into one of those normal podcasts, you know? That's fine. Pre-flight is not uh, onerous. You saw how painless it was. It was great. Fantastic. Although you hacking into the microphone just for whatever reason reminded me that hmm. there there was slash as a band called Soul Coughing, I believe. Yeah, Mike Dottie. Mm, no. You don't like, don't, don't care for that? I don't like that name. <coughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's bad. Uh, hey everybody. Um, wait, now I'm, now I'm kind of off my game. You want to start? Okay. Um, uh, what was I going to say about, wait, no, what were you asking me about? Pre-flight, Nothing. feel good about the pre I, my thought is still digesting. You're, 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 you know, uh, uh bobbing and swaying or ducking and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. huffing. Um, yeah, see now this is weird. We're going to turn into one of those normal shows and that would be such a bummer. I don't think there's any fear of that. Hmm. Why are you so full of beans? Did you do a workout or something? I did not eat beans today. I did not do a workout. Okay. Okay. What do you trace it to? You're excited about computers, right? I got a, yeah, I got a lot of computer stuff that I have to compile before tomorrow night. Every time I hear that wonderful Jonathan Mann song at the end, I always, I just think about the line. Well, there's two things <laughs> I think about. One mm-hmm. is I always think about the line, John didn't do any research marker in case he wouldn't let him, uh, which I just, I have a hard time believing that. Do you know the origins of that? Have you forgotten in the mists of time? Uh, hey, listen, I'm not one of your co-hosts. I, I do remember things, but no, right. I'm not sure I do. Um, was that from, it was, well, because you used to do a lot of preparation for Hypercritical, right? Uh, I mean, define You sure seem to have, well, a lot, in that you, unless you have a very strong mental model for an outline of what you're going to say, and I, I know your memory used to be better, that's, it's, you don't have like anything written, you don't have any bullets? On a hypercritical, you didn't? Oh no, I sure I definitely did. I had notes, right? And the idea, tell me, tell me what I'm forgetting about uh, John didn't do any research. Keep going, you're on the trail. Well, let's see. There's the neutral thing, and that's how I was explaining this to my wife because I made her listen to the Jonathan Mann song, <laughs> and um, she's not a listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I got your pin, so you know, I, I, I mean, I'm mostly fronting. You know, it's kind of like when you get one of those Joy Division shirts and never heard the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but um. John didn't do any research. Uh, I, I'm going to guess, I don't remember the origin. I feel like it must have been pretty early on. Was it, did it happen on neutral? Not really. Tell me, tell of, me. I don't know. But, all right, I'm, not close, so, I'm not close enough to keep guessing. I, this is kind of one of those things where like on the newlywed game where you got to find out how much your spouse knows about you. Now I'm wondering if Marco and Casey remember the origin. They probably do. Hmm, like, it'll come back but, to me. Anyway, um, it was because you were, you were on the trail because I had just done hypercritical and I was a little burned out. Remember that time? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, uh, and Marco had, well, been... and you also were, I mean, you, you didn't admit you weren't a jerk about it or anything, but no, I mean, well, I didn't even feel the need to say that, but you were also, you were still doing your S10, uh, stuff then, right? Yep. And, and that's know, a, that's a white knuckle, stressful journey. Anybody who's never heard you will find it for notes. Um, John talking about his process for doing the OS 10 and like you get closer and closer to the date, you've done as much as you can and you're still wondering 
is, you know, release five going to completely change one aspect of the Chrome that makes me redo <laughs> every screenshot? They just did that in Monterey. Did you see that? We're going to talk about that later. But they just did that. They I just saw that happen. I'm like, I'm so glad they, they, the, changed, the, they the, changed Safari in 12.0.1 before Monterey's official release. Oh, uh, talking about the tabs and favorites switch. Yeah, yeah. Boy, it looks so much better. It looks so much better. It, John Voorhees posted on Twitter and said, well, I guess I got to throw all these away. Like, oh, he probably he had no. a whole section talking about how oh. the Safari works and complaining about it. It's like, out the window. Hypercritical is yeah. a lot of work. It was a fantastic show. I still listen to it. But um, I, I do feel like part of that must have come from half of your year in some way was, uh, maybe not half, but a third of your year was working on the OS ten. Yeah, and, and I had you know my regular job and uh, two at that time youngish kids and all the other stuff. So I was burnt out, um, and I just couldn't sustain that anymore. And so uh, Marco, in case you wanted to do a podcast, me initially uh, with me initially the car thing, which we did, um, and they're like, oh, we should do a tech show as well. And it was like, eh, I don't know if I want to. I just got done doing like a tech show with Hypercritical, and it really like was exhausting. And like the car show was supposed to be like light and fun, and not you know like a little trifle but now we're gonna do a tech podcast again and aren't i just diving back into the big thing and the thing was like oh don't don't do it like hypercritical don't like do a bunch of research ahead of time and Mm -hmm. you know just like because we don't want you to burn out and leave the show we want you to stay oh so that's why they wouldn't let you exactly they were Ah. saying don't and i would do preparation they'd say stop trying to like make it like hypercritical like just you know take it like there's two other people on this show we should all share the load stop trying to like do like do this deep heavy research don't get burned out and so literally like that's what jonathan i think we talked about on the show that's what jonathan man the inspiration of that lyric is so marco and casey forbidding me jokingly slash not jokingly from doing enough work that i would bear myself on of it yeah it, it reminds me a little bit of one of those lessons i i didn't learn until very slowly and then kind of all at once like later in life is that for example uh there's a tendency in my family that i very much picked up lock picking lawyer no not, not that tendency there's a tendency in my family that i definitely picked up which is being fretful about let's say for example you make a meal right and like the entire time you're going like, oh, I probably screwed this up. You know, this, this, I could do this better next time. I think I left out the, this and there's too much salt. And like, and the thing is that on the one hand, it very much sounds like you're fishing for compliments. On the other hand, it sounds like you're being insecure, but maybe worst of all, it makes it really hard to have fun. Like, it's not like you should be like conceited about your meal, but if you're going to prepare a meal for people and enjoy, you're there to like enjoy your time with those people it doesn't make it fun for them if you're always making it about this weird negativity thing that's like your undiagnosed personality disorder. And I think that's true for lots of things. You got to remember, sort of like I said, one of my lessons from uh, Rhode Island is remember whose party you're at. I got to put that in the wisdom document. Remember whose party you're at. Remember whose event this is. I'm correcting you on your own wisdom now. I did that? Yeah. That was the original Say thing. Again. Remember, Say is again. This, is, remember whose event this is. Is this remember, your event? That's, you know, I like, I, I like yours better. It's not remember, yours. This is yours. I'm just telling you, you know, your own I thing. Think you from, did that. <sighs> and uh, but you know what I'm saying. And, and so <laughs> somebody should record this. I hope I did. But um, the reason I say that is it's it, when you're remembering what who, like what what event is this, right? Well, I'm we're here to have. I mean, and again, this is before your show. I, I mean, I'm sure it was pretty popular from the beginning, but. I can just tell, like, especially with poor Casey, you guys are always sort of like pre preempting, you know, a mishearing of a thing. Even you, I think, in a recent episode finally sighed and went, no matter what I say, people are going to think I said this. 
Before all that came along, though, the idea was you're going to have a breezy, almost sports-style podcast, in my my way of thinking of it. The way, like, when you, when we tune into the pregame, well, when the regular season was happening, or, or the playoffs, I should say. So we tune in a little bit before the game comes on, and it's just four guys in big suits, like, just sitting around, like... I guess it's amusing to somebody. That was my perception of what ATP was going to be. Not the deep dive of they got the wrong guy for the job with Walt Isaacson. Not the deep dive of the TiVo remote. You know, like an animal. All the things that, you know, made me first fall so deeply in love with you. That it was going to be more like almost like sports. Does that, does that make sense? Like a, a breezier, like if you do prepare for this, like if one of those four guys in a suit came into the Giants pregame and like started reading from a sheet of paper, it would be weird because that's, that's not the event. That's not the show. That's not the party. Yeah, I don't know if there was any objection to uh, going deep on anything. It was objection to me specifically going deep for fear that I would burn out. That was entirely it. And, and you know, I think the show developed into what it is based on. I mean, it's it's like, you know, it's an ensemble show. It's not uh, a star vehicle yeah. or anything. So we our chemistry determined what the show would be. But it's not as if we went in saying this. We have to keep this light and breezy because that's a show we're going for. It was merely let's stop John from pursuing his typical mm-hmm. obsessive, you know, tunneling down the rat holes. And in the end, that wasn't what was required or useful for the show anyway. So it was not like they needed to fight off that. But that said, with the Apple event and other big shows like this, sometimes I do have a giant bucket of info dumped on me. And it doesn't, it's actually like not that. that much, but it, but it yeah. seems like a lot because I have to sort of carve out time from my schedule to do the additional, like, sorting through the stuff like when i look right now in my queue of things that i have to process uh let's see what we have here in my super secret system what does it tell you and oh gee more than 100 all right i have more than 100 items to go through to process for notes for tomorrow and i've been doing it all i've been doing it on and off all day long hmm is that text file what is that uh no it's my queue of items that i need to process don't don't ask me about my process hmm don't ask me about my business, Kay. You say it's your... This one time, Kay. <laughs> then I slam the door. Um, say your queue of items to process? Mm-hmm. I've talked about an ATP. It's a shameful system, but it works for me. That's not what we're I, getting into I, I grow so weary of you dropping in an IBID or an opsit to a different show. Mm-hmm. The listener is not, the <laughs> it, listener is it, not going to You I love the link. It's it's the it's the verbal version of linking. What's your only link if you know you already talked about it? So, but, okay. So in that instance, I, um, you know, it, it's a fun it's a fun thing. You know, I have to admit, like I rescheduled Roderick uh, so I could watch watch the thing, and mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk talk about it a little bit in a second. Uh, but I um, it, it's it's fun. It's a, it's a neat. It's one of the few times that Twitter feels like a kind of a mostly fun place because everybody's out there doing their bit as who they are. Like, you know, I have all these little friends on Twitter and, you know, especially people I haven't muted, but you, you have a pretty good idea what Dan or Joe Steele is going to say. You have a pretty good idea. You may have a pretty good idea, like even what Darth is going to say. It's just fun to see everybody out doing their bit. And one of those bits frequently is, especially with you you three, or you, so I guess well, mostly with Marco and you, but there's that, oh my God, what's, what's Marco going to think of this? Oh my God, what's Syracuse going to think of this? And sometimes that goes all the way down to the much less interesting thing of, oh, is this the dream computer for X person? Or is this person losing their mind? You know what I mean? Whereas, and I, I am interested in that. I like everybody going up to the open mic and doing their thing. But one thing I really like about you in particular that, again, goes back to hypercritical is you notice stuff a lot of other people wouldn't. You notice something that was or was not there that takes a higher level understanding of something than to just go, oh, 
you know, the, the, the most insight you'll get from a lot of folks is, oh, yeah, the language on that was very careful. But with you, one th- I'm glad you keep a list because I would like to hear your list or your, your process stack to queue um, where you, I bet you're going to have at least a couple things in there where they talked about this this way and not that way. Or, you know what I mean? Not just, oh, did they put this port in? Don't you feel like that's part of what you do that's kind of fun and useful? I thought you were talking about uh, my tweet where I said that I thought Craig Federighi, Craig Federighi probably had a really good collection of belts. That's the kind of that's the kind of insight you're looking for from me. Well, no, like that's who's, I, who's noticing his belt and his belt buckles over no, time but and it's thinking not, there's got to be a room it's not or about a closet. His belt. It's about the kind of person he is. That's what uh, makes his, it funny. It's about his torso that's in the belt. Well, his torso needs about one more button buttoned up. If you're talking to me, that's the upper torso. I'm sitting there, the mid torso, the thorax of the beast. He's very, he has a very long torso. He, um, he, you, he seems like the kind of guy that would have a lot of belts and he would, I don't know if this is the proper way to store a belt, but I could see him being, I could see his closet being extremely American psycho. You know what I mean? He's got like, no, come on. No, you don't think he has like perfectly arranged blue button up shirts. No, you don't think think he has a drawer. I think he's got a nice collection of belts. That's what I think. think But how does he keep them? Well, you know, I think he he keeps them. Does he coil them them or are they on a caddy? No, they're hanging. They're hanging by separate hangers or from some kind of a container store? They're hanging by 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 the buckle from a thing that is meant to hang belts. He's got, he's got a bespoke belt hanger. And it's not bespoke, just can, it's just straight up the middle. You can buy these in the store. Yeah, but don't you think he's the kind of person that would want, I don't know. He's got he a nice cool. one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd want to have a nice one. He wouldn't want to just get your usual commodity uh, belt hanger. But, he, but he's more he's more casual and sloppy than you would think. Please see his uh, college uh, student ID. Have you seen that picture? Mm-mm. Oh, God, you have. You've seen it. I, I posted oh, okay. it a while ago. Um, oh, but you've well, forgotten. Case, I'm gonna I'm gonna opposite. find it and send it to you now. <laughs> this is our new podcast, Opposite, where we let you know what we don't need to talk about, except that we do talk about uh, it without talking about it, mentioning that we talked about it before. I mentioned this on Back to Work one time. Uh, oh, how is that? Oh, here it is. Okay, it is coming your way, and right. when you see it, it will hopefully look familiar. Your son looks so freaking cool. Oh my god, we'll put this in notes. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's in an extremely bad band or is a semi-professional hacky sack artist. UC Berkeley residence halls. Mm. Dining, housing and dining services card. Well, his doesn't have a social security so number now, on it. Now, now mm. look at that and think of what kind of yeah. belt storage it, solution yeah. does this guy have? Does he have an American Psycho one? No. Look at this oh, guy. Well, okay, but people change. Do you think American Psycho is always like that? Lost all that weight for the mechanic. Mm, yeah, right. It was, he wanted to eat the weevils. I had to. Uh, anyway, what was the last? So I think we're pretty deep in the stack at this point. Uh, Craig Federer. Oh yeah. So anyway, and I'll bet he wouldn't be that bothered if they were like out of order or something. No, that's kind of thing. It's, that would, it's like hippie casual, rich hippie casual. Yeah, but like, here's the problem: if that was Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby loved hitting his kids with a belt. Mm. And if you had to do a mommy dearest about Craig Federici, and I don't know if he has kids, but somebody, maybe a beloved pet came in and noodled with his belts, I could no. see him very much taking it nope. out. I don't see that at all. Don't noodle with my hippie belts. No. Okay. And then what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. So I like when you do that. What to leave in, what to leave out. Um, I, yeah, I like when you guys do things like that. And you know, and sometimes I even like Twitter a little bit. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by the IntraZone. You can find the IntraZone right now by going wherever you like to get your podcasts. And I'll tell you a secret about me. 
Uh, I like making them and eating them. You know, I, I like podcasts and I love finding new ones. It's always such a joy when something comes along that is really in your wheelhouse. Well, if you're looking for a new show to listen to, The Interzone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews hosted by the SharePoint team on how SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams, Viva, and more can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field. So you can see how SharePoint and Microsoft 365 fit into your everyday work life. And you can learn more about the flexibility when working with content, workflow, search, and more. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives from product experts from inside and outside Microsoft, plus upcoming events, conferences, and workshops. Uh, Some recent episodes have covered stuff like content and collaboration, designing your intranet, and uh, one that looks really appealing, AI and machine learning. Um, As someone who uses GitHub mainly to post gists and to grab other people's code, I, I decided to check out a recent episode called the gifts of GitHub, and it got me thinking about the value of a peer community who can act as another set of eyes on whatever you're making. It's good stuff. So go right now, listen to it. You go search for the Intrazone wherever you get your podcast. That's I N T R A Z O N E, or just click the handy link in our show notes, and you'll you'll find the Intrazone. Go, please check it out. Our thanks to the Intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Um, well, is that a transition? Oh, we should mention the, the show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of those weeks that uh, we do some bonus content for the people who are kind enough to support our uh, work, Lockpicking Lawyer, for the co- people who are kind enough to give us a little money every month. And we do uh, twice, uh, what is it, once a month, every other episode, mm-hmm. uh, uh, podcast nightly. We do a um, do a little, little bonus. Uh, John, John, what's our bonus uh, discussion for this week? It's so hard to predict the future on this show, but our planned yeah, I'm bonus sorry, content. I'm trying. I'm turning. I'm turning into like a slate podcast. Ugh. I just, I just put in the disclaimer, but I say our planned bonus content for this very episode. If you are a member, is we are going to talk about something we mentioned on the last show, which is TV shows where we either always or never skip the credits, and just the general idea of credits on TV shows, which is yeah, a topic yeah, yeah. that might not sound worthy of an after show, but I think we both have a lot to say about it. Well, I um. I got a bunch of uh, I got a bunch of links. I don't know if I put them anywhere. Did you? No <laughs> way. Oh, I did that. I made I made a new mm, link. You made it this time. All right, but I I I took my beating on that. Um, oh, you know what? It's probably in last week's. Mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. no! Go get it. Have, Go get it. Oh, okay. Fetch. Um, oh, do you want to do the computer show first, or do you want to do do my question for you first? Oh, uh, let's see. We're gonna run out of time if we do your follow up. So I said we say that. Leave that for next yep. show. Perfect. Um, I'll put it, I'll anyway, put it in the so, end. I'll put in the links for last yep. week. Uh, but the, uh, yesterday was the Apple event that we were just alluding to. And it's so rare that this show, which records every two weeks, would come anywhere close to an Apple event. And this time we just happened to land on the day after the Apple event. Obviously, I'm going to talk about it a ton on ATP tomorrow. That's what I'm compiling all those notes for. But I thought on this show, I would love to hear... Hmm. What Merlin thinks uh, about the Apple event, not in exhaustive detail, but just his general thoughts. And then I was looking yes. to Roderick on the line, which I know you record and release on the same day. And you're talking to Roderick and you're like, oh, let's talk about the Apple event. And I'm like, are you kidding? He's trying to steal my thunder like the day before we're going to record. Wait a minute. I'm stealing. I-, I did that. I'm stealing your thunder. You, yeah, this you is were like, your, oh, let's is... talk about the Apple event. It's like you never oh. talk about the Apple event except for in like a joking haha way. Well, you won't let me, John. I, I mean, I know this is your emotions show, such as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, you've got your other... Just as valid as yours, Marlon. I don't know about that. Yeah, they are. 
that <laughs> doesn't feel right. Um, but uh, you know, there was a deal. There was a. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm such a huge David Letterman fan. I love him so much. David Letterman and Monty Python, and a couple '70s comedians I can't mention were so formative to like my sense of humor. Um, but the thing was, when Letterman started, he'd just come off a very unsuccessful morning show. I know some of you youths don't know this, but so basically, uh, Johnny Carson's production company was going to like produce the uh, Late Night with David Letterman, which started in, I think, 81, 82. But, you know, behind the scenes, you know, Jerry, uh, Jerry, um, Johnny's a famously laconic guy. He's not, he's not really, wasn't really close to a lot of people. Um, but, you know, it was known through, I think, Fred de Cordova or one of the other, not, not Fred de Cordova, but one of the producers for Carson that, look, you know, one, one of the deals is there are guests that are Johnny's guests, and that's almost all guests. So if anybody's in New York, I mean, I don't know what the exact codicils of this were, but the, under, the very clear understanding between Carson's team, Carson's production team, and Letterman's TV show uh, crew was you, like, Bob Hope is not coming on your show. You cannot book people that might go on Johnny. So take that any way you want. But then the beauty part of that was Letterman would not, Letterman could never have been as insane as it was if Cher was coming on in 1981. It was Harvey Picar. It was Larry Bud Melman. Um, it was Charles Grodin. It was increasingly Chris Elliott because they had to do more and more tape bits. But that was the understanding. You know, the king eats first. Johnny gets to eat the guests, and, and David gets whatever P cars they can drag in. And I feel like we're the David Letterman to ATP's Carson. They, the, he poaches from me all of the tech topics. And then we have been admonished, I think formally, by, by maybe your counsel, that we're not allowed to talk about technology here. That's what I heard. But this isn't a tech show, and that is. Like, it's different because uh, Carson and Letterman were both essentially mm. talk shows where they talked to celebrities, but... Uh, you know, imagine imagine if Johnny Carson was a show where they reviewed the latest cars. It was like Motor Week or whatever. Well, that was Jay um, Leno. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then uh, it would be like, oh, the, Johnny's poaching all my car content when Letterman was just doing a regular oh, celebrity talk show. I, was like, I well, see. J Carson's show is all about cars. Well, then if Roderick is poaching Max from here, from your yeah, emotional Roderick, show. It wasn't you. It was him. He was like, he hey, that. let's no, talk I was about trying the to Apple event. What did they do with the Apple it. event? He was driving that. He was like, I want to learn about the Apple event. I'm like, no, that's not your thing. Leave it. Talk about motorcycles. Jeez. <laughs> and then he, and then that whole conversation planted the word laconic into your head such that it's still coming out the next day when you're describing Johnny Carson like he's a motorcycle riding cowboy. I believe I was, the, well, John might have been the first one to say laconic on that episode. It was said many times, but it's it's one it's definitely one it's it's one of my GRE words. John might it might uh -huh. be an SAT excuse me ACT word might have been an ACT word, but it might have been uh, a lacrimose, you know, conundrum, mm -hmm. um, a, a blender flourishes haversack. You're, you're listening to these as GRE words, but I remember studying vocabulary words for the SAT. But apparently, it's not even for on the, the SAT, SAT anymore. All, all we need to know is which which animal on the block matched with the other animal. It's the yeah, SAT. no, like when my my kids were, or when Alex was studying for his SAT, I'm like, oh, you're gonna have to make some flashcards with vocabulary words. Huh? He's like, no, there's no vocabulary in the SAT. I'm like, uh, really? They changed. It's changed a lot. Since we that's were practically racist, John. Ugh. Okay. Um, so yesterday was the big event and, uh, it was real interesting for me because, well, okay. So first observation off, off the dome is, wow, that went by really fast. 
you know, it, given it was how shortish, right? It was it was about an hour, um, a little under an hour, I think. But I have to say, uh, I loved the opening opening. I loved the uh, the songs, the person making a song out of Apple sounds. I thought that was cool and cute and fun, and I, I like just like the feel of it. Um, I have to say, I thought the f- most of the stuff up to the very long M1 explanation, M1X. I think the AirPod stuff and a lot of that stuff felt pretty slight. And it was kind of weird to me that they, almost weird to me that they included it. Makes me wonder if something got dropped because I thought it was pretty thin. Like their big announcement is gonna, well, I mean, first of all, are they announcing updates to Logic? Like what? That's so weird because we're really all about music. We can't wait to see what you music with music. But I thought that was all. And so I was thinking like, oh man, is this going to be like three hours long? Did they have to like, or, you know, no, quite the opposite. It was was a a tight hour that included like probably a quarter of which they could have just left out, in my opinion. Those new AirPods, what's different? Like, like you can see it's basically the old iPod AirPods, but with spatial audio. Is that right? They're totally different shape than the old ones. Oh, my bad. So Marco, maybe Marco could wear them. Possibly, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've ordered some just to see if they're, uh, you know, I'm hoping they work with my ears because I hate being stuck with the old ones. That's so funny. I just gave my wife a new pair of Sony WHMs today because she, her old uh, headphones were nasty. And I was like, you know, I own the costly AirPods Max and these Sonys are still my favorite headphones I've ever owned. It's just funny timing because I'd ordered it before that. Um, what, no, what did you think though? Did it, I mean, is it me? I mean, I have to admit, I was not paying full attention. I was working while I was doing it, watching this, but did if did that, did the first, did the pre-max stuff feel kind of slight? Yeah. I mean, it was over in 15 minutes. So who cares? Like, and I, and I was glad that they announced the AirPods cause that's the one item that I ordered from the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise fine. Like even, even the intro thing that you just talked about with the music thing, it was fine and everything, but I was like, yeah, yeah. What is this has nothing to do with the announcement and it didn't. So just get on with it. Right. You know, just want to yeah. get through it. But uh, are you, maybe, you're not maybe really, they regard uh, music as uh, unleashed as well, too. Yes, yes. Um, you're not really a laptop person. I mean, you choose to have a desktop for your setup for your work, right? For the most part, you always have a laptop and use it, you know, maybe sitting mm-hmm. on the couch at home or whatever. But you, you strike me as someone who would not choose to sit at your desk with a laptop, in other words. Yeah, uh, it's, it's actually... <laughs> Interesting and tragic. I I bought a well to answer your question directly. Well, I used to be a laptop person from nineteen. Well, I had the blue Yosemite and then I had the cheese grater. But I so those are things a laptop person does not get. You just went through two whole eras well, and you talked about I bought a monster but, tower but computer. I have to thread a chronological needle because I did get so I got the 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 blue the the Yosemite blue G three in probably ninety eight. I got my doc, doc or 97 maybe. I got my dot com job in 99 and that's when I got a I never remember which it is, Wall Street or Pismo. It weighed 40 pounds. Um I got that and I had that and then at one point I bought when I was going freelance uh I I ended up get, putting together enough dough to get a 17-inch PowerBook. Um and then I don't know. Just in the past few years, yeah, I would almost I would very much. I don't want to go on about this. I don't want this to become a spaces and tabs thing. But like I, I like you and Marco. I would. There's so much work I would way prefer to do on a Mac, just for numerous reasons. But I also do love laptops. And the funny thing is, I'm very well iPaded right now, 
like I've actually I've got a giant iPad and I've got a smaller or I've got the uh, 10 inch iPad and the, the I bought the new giant one which is gorgeous um but as soon as I picked up the M1 uh MacBook Pro I I I I I still use my iPad when I'm reclined but no that's the basic rundown I don't know why it took me 15 minutes to say when I'm doing real work I like to be at this Mac mini with a big screen when I'm hanging out at home and watching TV, I've usually got my uh, M1 MacBook Pro. Um, but I also, I really treasure my 10-inch iPad, uh, especially. So I'm not a laptop person, but the, th- the truth is, I, I got a 2019. Well, I think there was, I bought the one Marco recommended. At the, you know, the one, the still good one that you could get at one point. Um, probably a year after that, I got the 2019 macbook something and and then last last year this year at some point i got the m1 macbook pro so if there's anybody in the world who cannot put together a reason for buying a new laptop it might be me while at the same time i'm utterly buoyed by this release um you know like 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 i said i'm back to work today not for me but for the world and my pals in particular apple's fixing their stupid stuff and it makes me happy not because i'm like super pro or con apple but just because i think for whatever reason they they i think they made some good decisions and it just makes me really happy i mean people who make apple software deserve a machine that they can feel proud using you know now we need an xcode that they can build on but um, no that was that was my 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 big take home was like i'm just so happy as a as a as apple observer and fan it made me happy but just really for people like especially like marco or whomever like this just you could always want more but this seems like and this is why i made that little joke on the internet yesterday about it feels like apple's been listening to uh, atp but i um it seems like th- i can't count them off the top of my head but what hdmi port magsafe Touch bar gone. This is off the dome. Um, SD. Oh, SD card. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, better, better camera. Like every single one of those is things even I am tired of hearing about because how much everybody wants one or five of those. Yeah, so that was my takeaway. My takeaway was I was mostly, I was particularly excited for my pals who uh, who need these to do what they do. But it also just, like CGP Gray said that one time, um, I think on Cortex, maybe I forget where, but he was saying like, it's one thing for Apple to like fix something after like five years. It's, you know, it's one thing for Apple to get something right once. The thing that instills confidence is when they get it right over and over again. And that starts with doing it well twice. So I think many of us who are pulling for Apple are always pulling for like, you know, as they say in Rushmore, pull your head out of your ass. Like, get this stuff straightened out and then really stick with the program. And maybe don't worry so much about the cars or whatever. But, like, the it, when when you make the people who are your most ardent fans nervous uh, so many times over and over, and it takes you years to get your mind right, that doesn't instill confidence. So, hey, they, got, they put one on the board. Sorry to sidebar for a moment here, but I just had a flashbulb when you mentioned Rushmore, and I just realized... He's one of the worst students we have. It's freaking Logan the, Roy. He's one of the worst students we've got. It's Logan bow, Roy. Bow. It's totally Logan Roy. I did not make that connection until you until you mentioned Rushmore. 
That's you know, no, just now you like saw him in your head. Yes, I had had a flashbulb moment, as you would say. That's anyway, so uh, cool. He's a he's a he's a sharp little guy. Yeah, didn't want didn't want a sidebar too much. All right, so yeah, okay, you I'm got a sidebar it, you... on your sidebar. Here's what I do. What I what I I do this. I I'm totally and this. You guys are gonna like be snotty about this, you people out there, because it's gonna be the brunette actresses all over again. I could totally tell them apart. Well, it's because I put their pictures next to each other. You dingus. When you don't see them next to each other, am I the only person in the world that mentally conflates Brian Cox and Michael Gambon? Yeah, I can see that. Although, isn't Gambon a lot older? So you'd have to have different time periods mixed Logan's in. looking yeah. pretty old right now. But like, I and so we were watching, we saw the trailer for uh, French Dispatch, which I'm very excited to see because I could go for a full-on Wes. And I was like, you know, that's, um, that's, that's, uh, that's Dumbledore number two, but it's also the voice of Bean. In Fantastic Mr. Fox. He's also the singing, singing detective, but she wouldn't remember that. PT. <laughs> do you like Fantastic Mr. Fox? I do. Everybody does. Come on. I love it's one of my favorite movies. It just makes me so happy. Let's say two. Um, so that was my take. A sidebar close. You're closing your sidebar. Uh retort. Uh that's basically what I wanted to know is like, did you feel did you personally feel a sense of relief? from these uh, notebooks or are you feeling it vicariously? And the reason I thought it was relevant to you, that's why I asked if you're a laptop person, because mm-hmm. if, if you're not, you know, I'm not a laptop person. I don't actually really care, but I just found it like frustrating on, and the principle of the matter was frustrating that they were just screwing up so long on their, you know, most popular line of Mac computers. Hey, but, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like something like scroll direction, which you could see exactly 50% of the people having like an extremely strong feeling about and nobody agrees. I mean, that sounds like a silly example, but these were these were all things. There, there was a, a rant, rant. I hate when people say that. A screed that Marco <laughs> went on one time that really drove. I, I had agreed all the times that he was bitching about, especially fewer ports and stuff like that. But there was one time where he very specifically like walked us through what's involved in taping a live uh, show of ATP, and. I, I now once he once I heard <laughs> once I heard him describe that trying to do that with two ports, it's it's worse than a tile puzzle. It's like a sixteen tile puzzle because you've got two ports, right? Okay, well, is it going to be unpowered? No, no, you got to have power. Okay, and then so what are you going to do to be able to get all these lines in and bring? Well, you get you use USB C hub. Oh, tell me your five favorite USB C hubs. Like, do you know exactly what every dongus does? When he described that, and that, then I started seeing it everywhere with Apple stuff, to be honest. More and more instances where, and you don't like to be this particular guy, but if you're going to call it the MacBook Pro, it should probably be something that most people who use it professionally could feel confident walking into a room with. Not for status reasons, but for like, I know this is capable of helping me, of being the primary tool for using my job, rather than being like the the one that you buy for rich guy buys for his college son. That 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 did that was from a personal level, but you know a thing I've always tried to do that I still struggle with, and I, I re- wish more people would struggle with this is when we talk about technology. I do enjoy the part of hearing like wh- whether one whether the the eternal you whether you like it whether you'll buy it whether you hate it all that stuff. But one of my driving principles on forty three folders was. Rather than just say, here's the thing I like, which I did a lot, I would try to say, here's the thing I like and who's who I think it's good for. And here's why I think it's good for them. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes when we're doing punditry, it's really easy to accidentally conflate those two things. 
So we basically talk about something that's our personal opinion without regard to the needs of like what other people might want. And I, I like to try and separate that. And in this case, it's a no-brainer. I don't need anything. I'm not, I'm not, not trying to take a position or, or be the, uh, the, the, the white list here. But I don't think I'm going to be buying any of that stuff anytime soon. But having said that, I don't think it's been a long time since I've been this elated about an Apple announcement, particularly if it's something that I didn't want or need. Yeah, the reason I thought of you uh, about this was like you you have your own frustrations with, you know, for example, Apple TV, a product that you feel like is not is not filling the need that it ostensibly is there for that. It's almost like, well, it technically does the job that you say it's supposed to do, but it does it so poorly. And it, its problems are so obvious to anyone who actually uses it sort of in anger. Right. That yeah. it's frustrating that they don't fix it. And the laptops it's have hard, been it's like that. Love. It's hard to really yeah. love. And the laptops have been like that since, you know, since they screwed them up in 2016. It's just a yeah. loud, angry group of people saying, this is not what we want to do our jobs, whatever those jobs may be. And here are the obvious problems you have with them from the keyboard all the way up. But just like, and it took so yeah. many years of like gnashing of teeth and yelling and screaming and arguing against the people who are like, well, whatever Apple does, it'll event you'll eventually love it because Apple is always right. And it's like, no, they, they got it wrong. They got it wrong for a lot of years and it's frustrating. We can score that round, and it was officially too long. Let, let me put, put it to you another way. I know you're not a person that looks at what I call political Twitter, but at the point when extremely overstimulated journalists who are absolutely not tech people are talking about, John, this is not one person. This is not 10 people. This is dozens of people at one point or another saying, I just wish I could have an e-key or my <laughs> eye stopped working. And it's like, that. could there be, I mean, I guess you could make the case that everybody types for a living in some form or fashion, but- they really do. Dave Weigel really does type for a living. I mean, he talks a lot about, you know, King Crimson or whatever, but in all of those cases, those people really need a keyboard that works. And so, you know, when we're yelling at you about these butterfly keys and about these very difficult to replace parts and, you know, wondering if maybe you've taken the operational aspect of this a little too far to where it's now really biting you in the butt, when strangers are talking about firsthand, negative firsthand experiences with an Apple product, I say strangers, civilians. You know what I mean? When you hear complaints from civilians about stuff, something's tipped in my experience. Yeah, and I mean, the keyboard was obviously the worst of it, but you say, well, that was just a defect. They could fix that. But but setting aside the keyboard, it was like the ports, dongles, like people who don't have any interest in computers are like, I got a new computer at work and it doesn't have the right holes in the side of it. And there's no explanation that is going to make them make that go away. It's like, well, just wait three years. You'll be fine. Three years later, like, these computers still don't have the right holes on the side of them. It's annoying. Why, why did they do this? And it's like, we don't have an explanation for you. Someone thinks that this is good. We all disagree. We just want them to fix it. And they did. And so I feel like this is a big sense of relief. You don't get that sense of relief for Apple TV because no one has, that hasn't had that moment quite yet. <laughs> right. But like, I, don't, I, don't you know, I feel like you can relate to like, I want to use your thing, you know, more heavily than you seem to think it, it, it wants to be used. And, but you just are not, you know, you've, you've done this thing. I mean, at least in the Apple TV, they can say it doesn't have pro in the name. So maybe it's just for casuals. And if you're a pro TV watcher, look elsewhere. But these were the <laughs> MacBook Pros and they had a whole separate line for people who didn't need an SD card slot or an HDMI port or any of that crap. But this is the one where we do want it. And by the way, yeah. everyone likes a real escape key and not many people like the touch bar. Yeah, I was telling Dan today that my primary, um, at least on the laptop, I, I use Better Touch Tool for a ton of stuff on um uh, the desktop, but the almost the only thing that I have it doing right now on my touch bar, MacBook Pro, 
is you can create these really cool, super custom rows with better touch tool. So in, in less invoked, my touch bar has two buttons on it. One is a big red button that says today that opens my task paper file. And the other one is a smiley face on a purple background that when I click it shows what would be seen by the touch bar. So like, I, I'm not gonna say I bought that. It's included with setup, but it's worth paying for. It's a great app. But like my primary use of that on one of my Apple devices is just to undo an innovative forward-looking bit of technology by Apple themselves that nobody whom I know likes. Nobody hates it more than my shrink, but I, but like, I really didn't like it. And I guess real Snell, we'll put this in notes too. Snell had a really good article uh, what is this? Uh, something about leaving Dongle Town or something? He had a really good uh, piece, kind of pulling all this stuff. He, together. he did a uh, Hunter S. Thompson thing, right? Yeah, the bats. Yeah, um, just outside of uh, Barstow. Um, but what was my point with that? The uh, Touch Bar. The Apple. I, probably you're gonna say Apple never updated it. That's what well, I was gonna saying. say. Was sometimes I'm trying. I was trying to be think of a clever analogy for how it feels to use an Apple TV. And I think about the John Syracuse tests um, of stuff like, you know, like I've got, for example, I've got four or five sh- uh, shortcuts I use on HomePod for doing TV things. That's gotten way better, by the way, in recent updates. But um, so I've got one I can say, hey, Dingus, watch live TV. And it, you know, turns on the TV, goes to Hulu, et cetera, and turns my phone into a remote. I got this for Spotify, YouTube, all that stuff. But I couldn't, it's, it's like, Think about the dock on a Mac. I don't know what this would look like on an Apple TV. But the most basic John Syracuse test I keep in mind is how long does it take from everything being off to me watching the thing I want to be watching? And if you're like me and you subscribe to Hulu, boy, that sure is so many clicks. Even with, even, I don't mean to complain here, but in terms of like what the vision of Apple TV is, it utterly fails that test. Even if it gets me into Hulu, I still have to go use the remote to like do the horizontal navigation, land on live TV. If you, you know, there's, there's, there's two kinds of crappy Apple TV apps. There's the one kind of crapple TV, crapple, crapple TV, uh, where like uh, Amazon prime or, well, Plex is a good app, but you know, the interface thing of like, you have to select then do rather than just, uh, you know, pull, like a typical, like the menu appears like, it's just so weird to me that like in Hulu there, I'm glad it's not the kind of click and do app. But on the other hand, if you miss your target and go somewhere else, you kind of got to start over. You got to go back. You got to go up. Why isn't there anything like a dock? I don't know what that would look like, but why can't there just be a place where you just say, to, say, hey, Dingus, add this to my dock. And it adds it to a notional shelf where you could jump straight into wherever I am with the leftovers. The same way that when you open the HBO app, it, it kind of remembers. HBO is actually peculiarly bad at this. At like, you know, it frequently takes me to the next episode rather than the one I was watching. But that said, you see my point though, right? Shouldn't I, I can understand why I wouldn't be able to do this with Plex or maybe Netflix, but shouldn't I be able to say, you know, there's this show I subscribe to on iTunes, like put that in a, in a doc? But no, there isn't anything like that. And I couldn't come up with a clever analogy. The closest I could get was, I sometimes feel like I'm watching TV on an ATM where there's like a couple things that it's tuned for, like in this case, like cash withdrawals, but it's still a five-step process. At one point, when I was at Wells Fargo, I believe they had a way for it to remember what you liked. We would say, hey, last time you were here, you got 200 bucks. Do it, boom, print it, done. And I feel like in the same way that all I want to do is take out $100. Why 
almost everybody here is here to get $100. Like, sh shouldn't there just be like a fast button or shouldn't there be a way for you to customize that? Well, no, that's okay. And I don't have to do it that often, but I do watch TV every day. And it does feel like an ATM sometimes. And like most ATMs, it has been tuned for the security and business practices of the people who made it, not by the person who's using it. Two things on, on that that brought to mind. First, were you as excited as I was when they, in the Hulu app, they finally got rid of that top line highlighting and replaced it with a box around the item that is selected? Did you it's notice that? It's way better. It's way better. You, you, I think you're the one who turned me on to like, uh, for the Apple home screen anyway, turning on, I, I'll take all the contrast I can get. It's not contrast. It's before there was no outline. There was nothing except for, oh, it's a little bit bigger and shiny. And so there are people who respond to that. I understand this, but I do think it's stupid. We talked, well, never mind, we talked about this. But when people say stuff like, well, all you have to do is move it or jiggle it or do the things, mm -hmm. so I'm like, yeah, it's you, like oh, okay. but like, what if your car was like that? <laughs> right, I like, can't see my car know? until I wiggle my hand and then it shines well, a little bit. <laughs> there's only two pedals. One's the accelerator, one's the brake. Hit one, and if it's the wrong one, just go to the other one. <sighs> well, that's yeah. how you destroy a dry cleaning store. Yeah, so anyway, that the Hulu app is a mess. But the second thing is I wanted to ask you this question because I figured if anyone would know it's you, I'm probably going to be disappointed at the answer. Um, what, you mentioned going back to the thing you're doing. For the most part, and I subscribe to like too many streaming services, but for the most part, I think pretty much every streaming service has gotten on the page that there has to be some way within this service to indicate which shows you are interested in, right? Yes. Adding, adding them to my list or... You know, whatever. Usually, Netflix called it like my list, but and mm -hmm. most people just copy that, right? But that's the way that you can like. If you know, I'm gonna. I've decided I'm finally gonna watch Game of Thrones. Add it to my list. So, worst case scenario, wherever the heck the app dumps you, you can always find your way to like your list, your stuff, your watch list, whatever the hell they call it. And there will be the only thing on that screen is the one thing you put there, which is Game of Thrones. And then you can click into Game of Thrones, and it will show you all the episodes. Hopefully. The ones you've viewed marked off in some way that you can visually tell without wiggling when looking for shine and then the rest that you have to do, <laughs> right? But just that concept that there is a place where you can collect the things that you are currently watching, manually yeah. controlled, that maybe nobody uses, but but yeah, everybody is sort of is on the page that like, that's a feature that you should have in a streaming service. I don't actually know what the uptake rate of that is, who actually uses that. I don't know, dude. I think it's, I, that's one of the things where like, if that increases engagement, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, obviously, one of my problems with Netflix is it's it's just a, it's you know there's a reason I have one place I always put my wallet and keys, and I don't think it hues incredibly strictly to like even continue watching. Right. Well, so the, the the other side of that is okay. Well, that's my list, and that's kind of like the place of last resort. But a good streaming service will be like, hey, when I launch the app, it's like it read my mind. Whatever. <laughs> it's so hard to tell. What are you going to do? Last eight times you launch this app, you watch the next episode of Community. What do you want to do today? How about the next episode of Community? Hey, it's the giant already highlighted thing in the top left. A good streaming service will <laughs> it's do worse that. Worse than that. To save no, you it is step. like a Monty Python skit because in Hulu goes, you know, like, oh, please continue watching Game of Thrones, and you go, oh. Oh, Game of Thrones, the TV show? That's really good. I have that right here. Did you want to see Game of Thrones? Dude, like you should you should be able to pick this up. I can't tell you how great these eight icons on my iPhone's home, home screen called Siri Suggestions. I cannot believe how often they completely get it. It knows there are things I use at certain times of day. It knows that for a time it knew that I recorded You Look Nice Today 11 on Thursdays. And it, it would just- It knows, for, me, for my case, you probably don't have this experience that much, but it knows where I'm going to be driving. See, that's- this is every what day, I want every day. Go get the kids at school at X time. I get in my car. And my phone is like it's you know X minutes to the school. I'm like, yep, you're right, phone. 
I mean, it's I could see how that going wrong can get in the way and turn into clippy and become a, a silly thing. But like, you know, it is an Apple product. It would be kind of cool to have that. Yeah. So the reason I bring this up, the concept of my list where you keep stuff as the ultimate backstop, if the app guesses wrong or if the app is currently promoting their new series and they shove that in your face or whatever <laughs> you like, you can always say, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is annoying, but I always know that if I go to my list, the five shows that I'm currently watching will be there. And from the show page, I can see the episode list. And from the episode list, I can see visually where I left off and then I can resume, right? That is yeah. the, the sort of manual system of last resort. As far as I have thus far been able to determine, and I have to admit that I didn't spend much time doing this because like, why spend your time doing this? Like, it, you know, any amount of time I spend trying to figure this out just makes me angrier. As far as I can tell, Apple TV Plus, the service where I watch a lot of television shows, has no concept of this. None. It has no idea what I'm watching. Like, it does not let hmm. me say, I'm currently watching The Morning Show, C, For All Mankind. Like, it doesn't you're saying, care. You're saying at all? As far as I've been able to tell. Now, granted, mm. I have not gone searching for it much, but I have looked and I've said, look, I'm watching I you know, totally, I totally The Morning do. Show. Can, you, can, I, can I tell you, Apple TV Plus, that I... I'm, I'm look, I'm going to watch the morning show. It's one of the shows that I'm watching. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm hoisted by my own petard. You're saying in the app called Apple TV, it doesn't remember where you are. It remembers it with it, other it doesn't apps, let me, but it doesn't not let me Apple add TV shows Plus. to my list. Like, is there, my oh. question to you is, is there an equivalent of my list of stuff that I'm watching in Apple TV Plus? I don't think so. I don't think so. And boy, I sure I'm confused at this point. But, you know, you, you talked a long time about wanting, I think you called it the omnivorous box or something like that. And that's what, kind of what we, we want Apple TV to be. But for a variety of reasons that I think are all too understandable, Netflix is happy to be on everybody's hardware, but it doesn't necessarily want to be in their ecosystem, which is, I don't, I mean, that's my, that would be my guess at why, for example, it's not in this. What do you call it? What do you call the TV soup? But that's why I'm distinguishing. I'm not, I'm not asking for Apple TV to do that because I know Netflix doesn't play ball with that. I'm saying for the shows that Apple produces, First That's party insane. Shows. I get Hulu in there all the time. But but what I want is like because Apple TV Plus as a service, they make Apple makes its own shows. They pay to make their own shows. Oh, I want it to you're saying it doesn't have a my list is what you're saying. Exactly. Apple okay. TV Plus does not have a my list just for the shows that Apple pays for and produces, which are the ones <laughs> I just listed. And so huh. when I launch the Apple TV app, I have to like dig my way to find the morning show. It never wants to offer to show it for me. There is no my list. I have to like literally search for the morning show. If it's not currently being advertised in the top banner, it's like it has no idea I've ever watched the morning show. Am it's I like, to intuit on. you think there might be a reason for this? Do you, do you think it's because that's how they, I mean, I'm not trying to be simple, but maybe that's how they want you to use it. In the same way, there was a certain time in life when we can remember that, you know, when tw tweets were shown sequentially, and, you know, we you thought of Twitter as a, as a timeline that you go through. And then as with Facebook, Twitter decided, well, we're going to take that out because we think you'd like it more this other way. Do you think it's a simple, I mean, that's a, not a perfect uh, analogy, but like, do you think that's kind of what Apple's doing? Is it possible they're saying, no, we don't want, all those other places are for lists. But no, but that can't be because they really want you to get into these shows. Yeah, they did change the UI at some point. Like now there is a nav yeah. item in most of the They versions. finally added an it's, actual it's, section. It's called uh, uh, Apple TV Plus Originals, where mm -hmm. you can at least go to <laughs> narrow it down to just those shows. But still, there is no way to say among all the Apple TV Plus shows, 
that they make, that Apple makes, here are yeah. the five that I'm watching. Add them to my list. Okay, that's that's insane. That's completely insane. And I, you know, and maybe there, maybe there is one. But if there, if there is a my list, they're hiding it for. And and the reason I want the my list is because no matter what crap the app shows at me, as long as I can go to like pick, click on your head or my profile or whatever, and find the thing that says here's my stuff, here's my list. Or the other alternative is if I see a show within the service, I can say, hit the little plus or whatever obscure icon that says, add this to my list. And it seems like HBO has it, Netflix has it, Hulu has it, Apple TV Plus, which is a service independent of the Apple TV app that tries to be kind of on the but it's not really. Is that supposed to be, I've, I don't feel like I always know what this means. And you'll know, you'll, you'll have seen this button. Ugh, it also drives me crazy that you can't say, almost every service says, do you want to start from where you are or do you want to watch it from the beginning? It drives me crazy with Apple movies. Um, I still don't quite know what this phrase means. Up next. So is up next my list or no, is... Uh, up, up next is is the... Because you can add things. You know, you can add things to up, up next. In what? In the Apple TV thing? I have seen... Let's see. So right now, Ted Lasso is in up next. Let's look at something I haven't watched. Let's watch the morning show. It says it's in up next. I must. I must have added it. I think up next is their my list. But that, but up next can't possibly be a my list because my list, all my list is, is a list of shows that you're watching. That's well, all. That's what my I was gonna list say. Is. The second thing it could be is a queue, like on Spotify. But up, up next is like here's the next episode that you should watch. But I don't want to know what episode you think no, I should watch. No, that's not true. Next. That's not true. Open TV on your Mac. I'm looking at a TV show called Taran, and the two big buttons, the big blue button says play first episode, and the one below that says add to up next. Yeah, that's just a, that's just a cue in the TV app on the Mac. I, I because that's from uh, the music, the iTunes slash uh, music. Hey, I'm app. adding it to up next. I'm clicking on TV Plus. Boy, okay, then I go. Let's go. I want to go to watch now. Let's see what's under watch. Up, ah, watch now is the uh, top. Oh, is Velvet Underground out? Yes. Oh my God, cool. <laughs> oh my God, that's so awesome. Um, and uh, so like, okay, so develop, so Sacred Cow. I added. I started watching on I think Hulu a week or two ago. Velvet Underground. I added that to something. I added it to something on the Apple TV, John. Uh, second to the most recent, What We Do in the Shadows, which we watched again last night. And now number one in my up next is Turan. I think this is the my list. But there's no way to add things to it. Yeah, there is. Go to Turan and click on Add to, my, add to Up Next. If I, go to, if I go to Free Guy, go to, go to, which go is to a the show that tab. I haven't watched. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But yeah, so like, it, Up Next, like... Uh, my current up next has has Tiny World, which is apparently a show that I watched thirty seconds of, and now it thinks it's on my. It's I, I never clicked <sighs> add to my list or anything like that, but because I glimpsed at Tiny World, it is now in the list there. Oh uh, Schindler's List, a movie that I watched on television. Uh, what you know, was the first one? Tiny's what? Tiny World. Uh, Tiny World and Schindler's List. Schindler, okay. right. And Schindler's List, I did watch on my Apple TV, but I sure as hell didn't add it to my list. Right. And so that's like, this is hmm. just like, it's kind of like context was in Google, where like, if you send an email to somebody, suddenly it's in your contacts. And it's like, well, I didn't add it to my contacts. I do want it to autocomplete, but I don't want it to be part of my address. Well, that's, book. that's also a way you accidentally become a meme. Yeah. It makes it real easy to accidentally send something to people you didn't mean to send it to. Anyway, they, Apple, Apple TV plus the service needs a my list and it doesn't have one. And it's very annoying. The up next thing, by the way, I think might only appear on the Mac because if I look on my phone, if I go to, uh, uh, you know, uh, Apple TV Plus Originals, like, mm -hmm. and I go to one that I haven't looked at, there's no thing that says, like, 
add to anything anywhere. Well, I mean, we could. It seems like we could probably pretty certainly agree on Velvet Underground. It was in the upper left on mine too. So say I say I want to do the Velvet. Well, I want to watch this later. I'm scrolling through the Velvet Underground screen. It has a trailer. Has a play button. Does it have? I'm gonna get on my phone here. I suppose the plus on the top is probably the add to up next. Ah, uh, but in the same way, well, I have this. I have this thing. I always want to make a joke about this, but it seems so stupid. I do a lot of food delivery and grocery delivery. I do a lot of delivery things, which means I tip a lot, several times a day, usually not some some days. Um, we alongside ATMs, we really need to decide where the implied or non-existent decimal point is. We really need to settle on that because I almost tipped somebody $10,000 the other day. And then other times I tip them 10 cents because sometimes it, what I'm saying is we need a shared vocab in the same way that we should have a shared vocabulary for how we enter currency on a device. I think we should also have a, share, a shared understanding. I mean, it's, it's, remember the wild, of course you did, the wild west before you had sections like about and blog, you know, maybe that's sitemap. Like, it's so much easier to navigate a modern website because we have a language for that. And I think you can still have a lot of style. But, I mean, I'm I'm avoiding the difficult thing, which is Apple should mandate a thing where there's a shelf or a shared area. Uh, I would really, if that that was part of like an API, that would make me so happy. Um, But but even before we get to that, we've got to come up with a, a similar way to bookmark or watch later or whatever it's called. I don't think there's any benefit in these all being different and weird. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Tech Talk, a podcast from the folks over at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Uh, You can learn more about uh, HPE Tech Talk right now by going wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know if you know this about me, (laughs) but I like podcasts. And uh, another thing to know about me is I always think it's nice to find a new one. And uh, so maybe you want to go and check out HPE Tech Talk, okay? This is uh, the show that brings you HPE news, tech insights, and world-class innovators. Uh, If you want to go give it a listen, you can expect episodes like Why the Future of Data is Cloud-Native and Hybrid, How Cloud Data Experiences are Changing, and How to Harness the Power of 5G to Offer the Ultimate Experience. The show takes you straight to the source, interviewing some seriously impressive tech leaders, uh, some of the recent guests included Dr. Michael Roberts from the ISS U.S. National Lab, Sanjeev Katwa, CTO of Tottenham Hotspur FC, I think that means football club, uh, and Monica Livingston from Intel. You can go and uh, find these episodes, listen to brand new episodes right now. You go to HPE's Tech Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts are so good, you guys, you should totally check them out. You go there, you search for Tech Talk now, or you can click the extremely handy link in our show notes for this episode. Our thanks to HPE Tech Talk for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. And we're back. Grit, John. Grit. Grit. <laughs> did we talk about grit once before? Surely we have. Surely. I feel like so we did. so long ago that neither one yes. of us can remember it. Well, it's so long ago that, uh, oh, here it is. <laughs> I guess John, John, I'm just <laughs> like I'm. Is it in the the copied and pasted show notes? Well, hey, it's right there. No, Look it's at that worse. link. It's worse. That link. <laughs> it's worse. It's way worse. I am basically like a bipedal neurological error. Um, apparently in episode eighty six, we uh we talked about grit. I'm clicking, and what was that? Eighty six. How long ago was that? Oh, horses feedback full of food. That's not that long ago. Four years. 
Three years? Three years. You know what I don't remember? Uh, I do remember we talked about this, but I, 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 I have to tell you, John, I, this is one of those terrible, terrible issues that's really not a good topic for this show because it's, it's in, uh, well, whatever the opposite of my wheelhouse is. It's in, the, it's in the wheelhouse in which I should never go, which is something I have an incredibly strong feeling about with virtually zero actual deep education about the issue. And I think I might be, I think I might be reacting to the way other people feel about it more than I'm reacting to the thing. I tried hard. I read a bunch of things that I put into links, but bring me up to speed. What did, what did we decide last time? Oh, I have no idea. As far as I'm concerned, this topic is entirely fresh because I can't remember anything that we talked about last time. I did read all the links that you put into the show notes about it, and it was like I was reading it all for the first time. So yeah. don't feel don't feel like okay. you're retreading anything because as far as I'm concerned, this is all new. Okay, here come the hiccups again. <laughs> oh, By the way, I... your your thing totally works. I know it does. It, it grosses out my daughter so bad, but it works. <clears throat> oh God. <laughs> mm. Get there, get your water. Go ahead. Just gulp it down. Now the water, not the air. Just mm-hmm. air and water. Drink. One drink. of each. One of each. One for me. One for you. Here we go. <gasps> Drink, drink the water. Drink even when you think you can't drink any water because you're too exhausted. You have to keep drinking water. Like, no, I, I, I have to stop drinking the water. I have to breathe. And like, no, just keep drinking the water until it's all gone. Okay, they're gone. Okay, all right. That shows grit the way you handle those handcuffs. Um. All right, let's just go off the dome. We we'll just start all over. You know, you read? Did you? Were you guys encouraged to read that book, Growth Mindset? I didn't even know there was a book, but I sure know about growth mindset. It's maybe it's just a nicer label on grit. So what is grit? Grit grit is a, a book. No, God, I'm so far behind. Grit this uh this woman put out that kind of caught fire. Um and some of those links I gave you, I didn't mean to be too slanted about just saying, Oh, this one fella, Merlin Fellows on Twitter, disagrees with the author of Grit. And the person who did grit has been, but basically the, there's this idea of like what it takes to succeed and what it takes is grit, which is a determination. How would you describe it? A determination to stick with something. Um, and, you know, even under like changing conditions and stuff like that. But I think the backlash, at least from that one guy, um, is that, um, uh, I feel bad doing this because I'm acting like I'm, it's a turns out thing or something. But apparently the data behind academic success from the characters called Grit are not completely in line. I don't know if they're entirely replicable or support that. But I, I was just trying to look for something more articulate to explain what it is about the concept of Grit that bugs me. And uh, I, I don't want to obsess over it, but... What is grit versus growth mindset? Well, growth mindset is just this, it's like fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And the idea that most especially in a kid, it's valuable to teach resilience. And resilience is for sure, this is why I say, I mean, is it like, is grit just growth mindset in a black goatee? Why does that bug me and growth mindset doesn't? I think what bugs me and the part that makes me think that I'm reacting to other people's reactions, if I'm being honest, is that Grit feels, I don't even know the right word for this, so I'm going to say big words. I think it's classist. I think it's racist. I think it's insensitive. And I think a lot of the conversation about grit, so I believe somebody once said this about uh, a member of the Bush family. He was born on third, and he thinks he hit a triple. 
there's this, there's just, I feel like there is a lot of what feels like unexamined privilege in grit. And there's always the exception that proves to grow the rule, which is like this black girl who lived in Section 8 housing who really made something of herself. Isn't that swell? And I just I just feel like this, it's one thing to say, like, I'm going to create a set of conditions. Something I said to Dan today, a phrase I turn over in my head, how do I create a set of conditions that lets my kid become whoever they are becoming? Which is admittedly mushy California stuff, but if you think about the stuff you've really screwed up, for what you thought were good reasons. A lot of it comes down to trying to make your kid into somebody whom they're not for what you regard as good reasons. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm being, trying to be less judgy about just about everything, but whereas I like growth mindset, the idea of grit, um, something feels wrong about it to me. It's kind of, I don't, I'm just trying to think of what, what category of thing does grit fall into? Um, and I'm, I'm falling back on, a memory from the eighties or whatever that is not quite a great fit, but it will probably uh, <laughs> hopefully ring fit. through when I mention it. Which is, it's like it's like a this category of thing like grit is kind of like uh, the oat brand of uh, you know psychological pop pop psychology, right? Where there's mm. something that catches fire for whatever reason and mm. becomes mm-hmm. a thing that everybody knows about and the solution for all the things. So for a very brief period of time. Oat bran was the thing that was going to save us all. I forget. It was like, what was it? Saying? It's like your, your colon silver bullet. It was, I don't think it was colon. I think it was heart disease or something like that. It was like, it oh, only, you, know, you know what it was, uh, John? Lowering cholesterol. Yeah, like oat bran. Oat bran will lower your cholesterol. So we so learned everything... there's good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. And this is definitely in Generation Snackwell's title. Um, very much of that time, probably in the Seinfeld era, maybe a little earlier. But in the early 90s, oat, oat bran was, it was practically a silver bullet for what ails you. And, and that's why all of a sudden, if you went to the supermarket, every single food product had a thing labeling on it, whether or not it had oat bran. And they were adding oat bran to products that didn't previously have them just so they could put oat bran on the thing. It's something that people latch onto. And so th- things like grit are like, the important part of this idea is not the idea. It's the fact that it managed to catch fire and pop culture for a brief moment in time based on this book and it almost doesn't matter whether it has any foundation in fact or like is true at all it's merely a story that has has enough sort of sticking it's almost like it's fiction like it's like why was game of thrones so popular that's all fake it's just a made-up story it's like yeah but we were all into that story at the same time well cared about the characters yeah we we were all into oat brand for a while for exactly the same reason we're all it might as well have been a fiction it doesn't matter whether it's true all that matters is it has captured our mind and things like grit capture your mind because like, or the tiger mom book or whatever, it capture your mind as like here, is, you know, what is it? Uh, simple answers to complex questions or whatever. Like the thing that we're all grabbing, aha, I've had all these struggles, but really someone has finally narrowed it down. The answer is grit. Right. There's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a tool so or a technology, sometimes a thought technology, but there's something like, there's a problem, you know, this is a, this is a big, big, uh, pattern, I think, in turns out stuff, especially with regard to self-help or, you know, pseudoscience, not pseudoscience, but kind of scientific-y stuff, is that there's a, there's a problem you think you know about and understand, but it's not the problem that you really know or need to understand. And if there's a surprising reason, a contradictory reason why that is the way that it is, but there are incredibly sensible, obvious tools that can, that are a perfect fit for this problem. Now, it's entirely possible that whatever that solution is, that could be a planner that your company sells or an app, or it could be a whole bunch of things. It could be an educational curriculum. But 
you end up, you know, you, you have the answer before you really have the question sometimes. I'm not saying it's necessarily true for Grip but, or Oat Brand, but like you, you, if you're a company that sells oats, you're going to find a way to sell some goddamn oats. And if gluten is the thing, then on your, uh, even if you don't have gluten in your food, if you make, if you're a beef producer, you're going to put a label on there that says no gluten. And you're like, no shit, Sherlock. There's no gluten in any meat. Like you didn't need to say that. You know, like when you say, or you could just say this, you know, this item contains no fat. And it's like, well, that's true, but it's a non-nutritional nutritional label in that instance. You might be right. And I just feel bad because I don't want to bag on this person whose work I'm not that familiar with just based on the backlash. It's not fair to pillory this author and her ideas because, to quote Sloan, it's not the band I hate, it's their fans. But it still sticks in my craw. Yeah, so like with those phenomenons, like if it really is something that doesn't even purport to have any foundation other than like, you know, isn't this fun and a celebrity thinks it's a great idea, it's not that uh, difficult to deal with it. But for in the case of things like Grid or even Oatbran, um, and you see this a lot in sort of the, I'm not going to say the less hard sciences, but the sciences that are more difficult to wrangle. Um, that <laughs> the, we the difficult co- sciences, <laughs> the, the ones that, yeah, like I mean, mathematics is, you know, the, the one end of the spectrum, not particularly difficult to wrangle in that, like it's, you, you don't spend much time debating whether the math is right or not. People, a bunch of mathematicians can eventually come to an agreement that we agree this either does or doesn't prove this thing or whatever. Like when, when someone submits like a new proof for a thing, there's some excitement and then a bunch of mathematicians look at it and they say, did they do it? Yes or no. We don't mm-hmm. go through like, you know, as far as I know about mathematics, decades and decades where half of mathematicians think this thing has been proved and the other half think it hasn't been. It's like it's fairly conclusive. On the other mm-hmm. end of that spectrum is things about complex systems like medicine or sociology or pop psychology, that type of thing. Um, but because they are cloaked in the, the you know, the, the the robes of science or whatever, we collectively then have to spend a lot of time doing what kind of what these links that you put in have done to grit or oat brand or whatever, where after the world sort of goes gaga over whatever this thing is, then we have to endure sometimes years of articles of people going the oat brand thing. I know we were all super into it, but look at this, that we've looked into it more based on everyone going into it. And we've done more studies on it. It turns out it's not actually the silver bullet they said it was. And same thing with the grit. We know you all love that book, but we looked into it more. And it turns out there's actually some problems with the methodology. And maybe the it isn't really the thing that it was presented as. And this constant debate, it's like, well, maybe it's not as big as we said, but it's still a good thing. And grit is good. And then you end up in like the sort of middle. Right. And it's not like it's harmful. If you're going to pick a food, oatmeal's not bad. There's nothing that's bad about it, but I mean, it's like Homer wanting to buy Lisa's rock. It doesn't right. mean that it actually did anything. Right, but, but you or, said it would help or shaking a Polaroid, John. Did you, we shook Polaroids when we were young. Nobody mm-hmm. ever told us that doesn't do anything. Well, yeah, but the picture developed, and I think it developed faster. Like, are you sure? It makes a it makes a hit song. It makes a hit song in like 2001. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Y'all don't want to hear me. You just want to dance. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of effort spent 
doing, uh, you know, doing the try, saying, okay, you present this as a scientific thing, so let's use science. In science, we can test your idea. It should be falsifiable. So if you think this is the big thing, you know, then let's let's test that. Let's try to reproduce your results. Let's try to validate your findings. Let's look at your study and let's do all that stuff. And it's exhausting because on the one side, you've got the massive humanity. It's like everybody knows Oprah is good. I see it on TV all the time. Oprah is really good. How, why is this article saying it's not? And it's this multi-year slog of people come you know eventually coming around to the idea that oat bran is not the be all end all and it was overblown and it takes so long to bring us down off of that high and same thing with whatever the popular book is whether it be the grit thing or the tiger mom thing or the whatever the uh, you know i don't keep up with the, the the books that are trying to give us the simple answer to the i mean it's basically like the internet figured out how to shortcut this oh for example like that one the general guy not a general guy a guy who was a general wrote i think it's called make your bed yeah, or anything. Else. I mean, they no, but that's his, that's his. That's his. That's his skeleton key. Yeah, yeah. Is that it's it's um I never remember which switch, and I gotta look it up. It's a maton. It's a metonymy for doing. You could even let's go back to Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. It's mm, yeah. it's kind of about quality or the, a phrase that a word I have had one I've wanted to talk about for years. I just haven't found the place. The word properly. What it means when we talk about doing something properly. Which makes me sound like a like an English governess, but like I think I think what the make your bed guy is saying, he's saying do do the things you do in life properly. And that part I agree with. Whether making your bed is a metonymy for success in the world, I don't know. But everybody's got a skeleton key, you know? And and let me let me forgive myself partially. Like as the person who coined the phrase inbox zero and then said and wrote things about it, I am I hope you will understand. I'm, I'm not. I'm not simply just just sensitive about what I regard as the mil- willful misunderstanding of that. But it also then makes me very sympathetic to people like this author. Where like the reason I'm saying I'm for- I forgive myself a little bit though is whatever the impact of that book, qua book, I, what I'm dealing with is the impact of what everybody says about it and what skeleton key they think that is for. And whatever her intention is, and I frankly I could give a fig about the research behind it. I, although I do have some questions, you know, methodologically, I guess. But but you know what I mean? It's like I don't want to bag on this person, but it, I think in some ways it is fair. This feels a little bit like an ad hominem, but or an ad hominem because I'm talking about a lot of people. But the the way that that gets passed around and through the game of society, social telephone about how an idea kind of catches fire. I think it is worth saying, and this era, uh, you're, you're John. John, straight back to Fight Club, right? There's the there's the people who like Fight Club, and there's the people who think they don't like Fight Club because they also don't understand Fight Club, like we talked about with me. I've really come around on Fight Club. It's not what people think it is, but it might as well be what they think it is. It, just like Inbox Zero is like sitting at your computer till three in the morning. Yeah, like I, I think it's uh, it's unfair to hold the make your bed person or you to the same standard as the grit person, because once you once you invoke science and say we did studies like you, your your pitch for inbox zero wasn't I've I've you know, I've done a bunch of studies and controlled trials and I've shown that the <laughs> system helps helps improve X by Y. No, you explicitly I find did myself not do physically that. quivering less if I do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. It is not you're not presenting the results of your scientific studies and neither is the make the bed person. It's more like 
I'm a person. I have some ideas. Here's the ideas. That's truly like a thought technology. It's like I'm not doing science. I'm not gathering right. a bunch of people and, and creating these randomized trials and trying to determine. Uh, and I'm not going to go inspect all those beds and then do a longitudinal study on if everybody who did or didn't make their bed. And, and so and I feel like that thing is like, well, you know, it's a book by a person and maybe this idea resonates with me or maybe it doesn't. And that's fine. But once you say once you say I've done some science here and it turns out grid is super important, that's kind of what makes that book catch fire and say, oh, but they did science and grid is what we need to teach our kids. And I thought parenting was really hard. But now that I learned grid is the one weird trick that I need to know. And that's what I was going to say before. The Internet figured yeah. out how to short circuit this with the one weird trick, because that's what people want. Tell me the one weird trick to solve. It's, it's the, uh, the the two different ways out of this parking lot. Those Holly or those Wall Street fat cats don't want you to know. Yeah, yeah, and and so and with Remember grit, Chuck Air, Chuck Chuck Air Media? <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and grit's got that. Got the one weird trick, and it also, but it also has the cloak of science. It's science. They figured it out. Grit is the thing, and that's why you have to people for these poor people have to spend that because he's like, well, you said it's science, so we're going to do science on your ass, and it turns out. <laughs> Your crap doesn't reproduce. Well, even more so if science, if science is already if somebody's already cloaked in the robes of silence title, someone's already cloaked in the robes of science. All they need to do is declare that you know it's like the Game of Thrones uh, people. You know, it is known. You just or, or <laughs> I have spoken. You just say it is known. It is known that grit grit is what is needed. This is, you know, thus Zarathustra. But that's the problem with science. Once you open the door, it's like, okay, well, if you, you presented an idea that you claim is falsifiable, so we're going to go at it. And and then if if you know if like yeah, the thing we looked at we looked at what you did and here are the problems we found and here's what we had. It's like there's no defense against it because you you invoke science. We didn't bring it to you. You brought you said this is a scientific thing, and that's why these things end up getting smushed. And that becomes kind of like a oh, and by the way, you're also a bad person for misleading us versus maybe you just made a mistake. That's why mm -hmm. science is the way it is, because humans are fallible and we try to do a thing and then other people can say, OK, well, if that's actually true. X should also be true. And they try to fit. You know, that's that's science. It's a yes. process. Yes, it's yes, not yes, a, yes. it's not a thing. But combining well, not, that with the a, uh, in, in its best form, science such as it is, is about constant doubt in what it is that you know and with what level of certainty. Or, or even if it's not your doubt, it's someone else's doubt about what but you like said. But like to have the humility <laughs> to go, we don't have all the answers. And like we need to always test our equipment and calibrate yeah. to, to know. I mean, so if I were going to be a person, so I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit snarky for a minute, but I'm going to pretend like I'm being normal, okay? Um, if I were the sort of person that was uh, going to talk about grit in a particular way and, and who was going to take the time to read all the literature and get up to speed, uh, I'm going to use an analogy uh, here, if I read this book and all the other materials, um, there's, there's a piece of this that I would like to see negated or to see disproven. Okay. So let's say I am that general and I'm so into bed making and I'm really into bed making as a harbinger of how things are going to go in the future. Well, I think I could probably pretty credibly say probably in an op-ed somewhere, I could credibly say something like, Hey, look, I'm a retired general. Not only do I know a lot about beds, but I know a lot about the people who sleep in them when they're not made. And here's one thing I know. If you're ever wondering about the wisdom of making your bed, I have met some of the greatest minds, uh, military minds, political minds, academic minds, and a lot of, to be honest, really, really successful, very wealthy people. And every one of them, when I ask, do, do you make their bed? Do you make your bed? You would not believe how many of them make their bed. Many of them have been making their bed since they were children. Are there any questions, right? Because that's my problem. That's my problem with the grit is like, and the part that feels so, uh, like I say, not kind of examining privilege. Well, 
okay, you, you know, one reason a lot of those rich people make their bed is because they grew up rich in a house where either they made the bed or the bed was made for them. So is it the bed making that made them successful or is it their success that made them make their bed? And I think it just what I've read and understood about the grit stuff so far is that I think it's very reasonable to say that, well, let's look at it this way. How many TEDx talks or TED talks have you seen from people or you know douchebag talks from somebody who's talking about the importance of failure and how they failed so many times and they wouldn't have it any other way because I wouldn't be here talking to you now if I hadn't failed all those times? Yeah, but here's the other thing, and this is a very 10,000 hours thing. If you had never succeeded and continued to fail, would you be doing a TED talk? No, you had to land on black at least once to be able to say now that you're successful, which entitles you to talk about how important it is to have failures. Well, you could talk a big game, but as I like to say, you know, with the again with the Malcolm Gladwell stuff, well, you know, what if you play violin for 10,000 hours and you still suck? Is it what is, what is it that caused what? Did anything cause anything? And is correlation causation in some of these grit cases? You know what I've discovered about some of the most successful and intelligent people I've ever met is that they all have an incredible amount of resilience and focus and an ability to, to stay tough at the times that their situation gets tough. I don't know anybody who's successful who's never mastered grit, right? So, I mean, I'm not a statistician, but I, look at, I could look at that kind of argument that I feel is made, successful people have grit. Well, but what caused what? Did you always have grit? How did you get the grit? Did you, were you allowed to wear a costume of grit because you had such a uh, Andre Agassi life? <laughs> you hate it when I say that. But if you grew up in an environment with a lot of support and plenty of room to fail, um, it's way easier to be confident in a situation like that. It's way easier to have grit. If you've got a safe place to sleep and you're not seeing abuse in your house, I'm sorry, I don't mean this as virtue signaling, but I think that really gets left out is that there are a lot of kids that never get in the New York Times who are working as hard as they possibly can. It's just they're not in an environment that is conducive to even having grit. Sometimes for survival, you've just got to learn to like be, not to be the weak link in the chain, but to be the strongest part of the net. Like if you're going to hold your family together in the face of ongoing trauma, like you've got to be pliant to what the situation needs rather than what your what vision quest you're taking. Yeah, I, we've been kind of talking around this and we will have the links that I still have saved. I will put them in the show notes for this episode so you can find them. But one of the ones I was thinking about when you were talking about the grit thing is the Washington Post article that says, the problem with teaching grit to poor kids, they already have it. Here's what they really <laughs> need. It's like, yeah, they, yes, like yes. just by getting through life. Like the, the amount of adversity they face on a daily basis outweighs the amount of adversity you're you're saying that you're uh, congratulating these successful children for facing, like just getting to school in the morning and living their life. It, it requires them to demonstrate more grit, you know, and, so and, and er know. ergo that is absolutely zero guarantee of a good grade, let alone a broader academic career. Yeah. And, yeah. And anyway, and there's also the articles about the actual problems with the study and the author's reaction to them. And it's like it's almost as if. Uh, you know, the the way the inbox zero or making your own bed thing, it's I almost feel like the, the person who's, you know, not going to say getting attacked, but having having other scientists check their work and say, well, we looked at your study. Here's the problems we found. And we did our own studies. And here's what we found with them, like, you know, doing that thing. It's almost like the person who did the original grit thing would have been better off writing, you know, making it inbox zero or bed making, which is like, here's an idea I have. I hope it resonates you. 
with you, but I'm not telling you this is the the scientific truth of the world and an unavoidable mm-hmm. thing. What I'm telling you is, you know, here's like a little legitimately a thought technology. If it doesn't work for you, no skin off my back. I'm not trying to say here's a bunch of numbers that show it has to work for you or it has to yes. work for the average you, right? That's not doing the author any favors. And, and and that's so much easier to, I think it's easier for the world to absorb because they can say, take it or leave it. Here's the thing. Maybe, you know, it's like Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. If it does it for you, great, awesome. If it doesn't, whatever, right? Whereas when you come in with the science and say, actually, we should, we should uh, you know, convert our entire education system to be centered around get, get, grit because it's been scientifically proven to be the one key, you know, the one weird trick to make your children successful in college. That's where, you know, everyone, you know, the, that's where the science people get their back up and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's great for you to have ideas. It's great for you to have a book and go on Oprah and talk about it. It's great for you to do a talk in Google about how you handle email. But don't tell me we need to change your education system to, to you know, be re, you know, rearranged to follow this rule because you've proven with science that this is the one weird trick. <laughs> See also segue. Yeah, well. It's going to change the way cities are planned. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Ladder. You can learn more about Ladder right now by visiting ladderlife.com slash diffs. You know, there's always those tasks you put off and you put off because they're not very nice to think about. But, you know, getting things in order, it really does feel good, you know? And that, it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Well, why not pay a bit each month to protect your loved ones? If you're asking yourself this question, choose Ladder. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, you just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out instantly if you've gotten approved. And if you prefer to talk to a person, their team of licensed agents uh, doesn't work on commission, so they'll help you and not try to upsell you, which is pretty cool. No hidden fees. You can cancel at any time, and you get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. And ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by AM Best. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross it off your list. You know, you're not getting any younger. I'm sorry to break that to you. Ladder Life. Go to ladderlife.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. You go there today and uh, you can see if you're instantly approved. L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash diffs. Go there now and check them out. Ladderlife.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Ladder for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Similar thing here where it's like there is this presumption of as long as you're climbing up in notoriety and being on fresh air and in the Atlantic or whatever, like you are kind of tacitly being rewarded for having created a, a very, very sticky idea. But not, not all sticky ideas are great. And well, let me, okay, well, let me ask you this because we can't go on forever. Um, like, did your kids, I forget, I, I apologize. Did your kids go through the whole thing with restorative justice? Maybe. If they did, I don't recall them mentioning it to me. Well, let me ask you this. If you were at a bar having a Sprite once a year, and you ended up talking to somebody who was all about grit, and they just read this amazing book about grit, they're like a third of the way through it, and they're really excited about it, they think it'd be really helpful. Like, what do you think of that? Is there a, are there, what are other kinds of thought technologies, would you say, like, so, you know, you're being nice, you're hanging out in the bar having a Sprite, and somebody says this, and you, would you ever find yourself saying, that's a really interesting idea, I think the most useful thing I've learned about that topic is X. Is there, and I'm not saying it has to be a skeleton key, 
Because like to me, the more useful idea, the more useful an idea, the more abstract, extremely abstract or extremely specific it needs to be. The stuff in the middle is not useful to me. Arbitrary, like interesting heuristics and rules of thumb that are extremely specific are handy. You can always diverge from them, but it gives you a context for understanding like, like at least where to start. And then there are like the the ideas, like if I had to, if I had to distill everything I do down to like one idea, I think it might be something like um, care more and feel great about it instead of caring less and uh, not really caring how little you care. But I can make you care more. I, I can tell you what to do app to get, or I could tell you how to handle your email. But like, if you cared about something more, your life would necessarily be less complex in terms of your competing quote unquote priorities. Like if you decided the things that weren't allowed to die and then made everything line up with that, you start with this very big idea. And then as you say, back solve, or you could start with something very specific and, you know, the make your bed thing. I mean, for, I believe in stuff like close the door behind you, leave everything in its previous state, leave a room better than you found it, those kinds of things. And I do think that is kind of a character. For me, that's a character issue. I can't, I can't demand that that be a character issue for everybody, but I find that very useful. Do you have, whether it's a skeleton key, a thought technology, or just a, a thought-provoking idea, if somebody came to you and was saying, oh, I'm really all about grit, do you want to teach your kids about grit? What would you say? The scenario you painted there, maybe you you painted it too vividly because what I thought is that if, if anyone ever came to me in that type of environment and said, oh, hey, I just read this book on grit and let me tell you about it, I hate getting those pitches because what they really want to do is just sort of express their excitement about the new thing that they found. And you know what my instinct is when presented with that. My, my you, first you instinct. Faint, faint explosive diarrhea. No, my, my first instinct is to explain to them all the ways that, that, that it's a, a bunch of hooey, right? And like that, that <laughs> because, you know, almost like ipso facto, like because it is a popular thing and has been on Oprah and is super popular, you know, it's the Oprah, right? And so I'm immediately suspicious of it. And, you know, if I had to put money on it, I would say odds are this is not as great as you think it is because they never are. And I, you know, basically to sort of put a damper on their enthusiasm and say, hey, this thing you're excited about, you shouldn't be excited about it because it's almost certainly BS. Uh, but that's not what they want out of that interaction. They don't want you to start. They don't want me to be hypercritical. They don't yeah. want to start picking holes and stuff. That's not what they want out of that exchange. They just want to like it's like saying, hey, this is a great movie I just saw. And they don't want to hear me explain that the movie I haven't even seen, why it's probably not as good as they thought it was, right? But mm -hmm. for things like that, where I get angry that, like, you know, someone's using the, the, the robes of science to convince the masses that they really have the answer, that that makes me, you know, that makes me angry and it makes me want all the rest of the scientists to spend the time to debunk this thing. Because, like, when you again, when you reach, when you reach yeah. a level of popularity, like you said, with the MacBook keyboards, where, like, regular people are talking about this concept of it as if it's the cure-all, it's like, regardless of what your intent was, you have now oversold this idea because the public thinks it's going to cure all their ills. And I bet you probably even agree that it wouldn't cure all your ills and your idea has escaped you. And it almost certainly is going to be shown to be not as big a deal as you think it is. There are exceptions yep. like Einstein relativity, like that was uh, all that stuff was actually as big as an idea, it, you know, it, but no one knew about that. Like, I mean, I, get, I don't know. I wasn't alive then. Maybe it was a big news story mm -hmm. or whatever, but I bet most people didn't understand. But anyway, occasionally there are really big ideas like, hey, we go around the sun, not the other way around. Uh, but we like would kill people for suggesting that. So anyway, that was more complicated then. But it's not, not saying you should doubt every idea, but that's me being just sort of a downer and, you know, trying to 
poke holes and things is my initial instinct. Right, like, and pro- so problematize, problematize this. Like I need to sell myself that this makes sense. So I'm going to criticize this in a way that I would find thought provoking and effective. Right. But in my more older, mature sense would say, okay, that may be your friend's instinct, but don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, don't actually do that. Nobody and likes that guy. <laughs> and thus begins the exercise of sort of yeah. like disciplining yourself to, uh, and I'm not going to say play act. It's, it's in a way that sort of uh, people no, on the spectrum. it's a social lubricant though. Right? I mean. Le- people on the spectrum learn to sort of like imitate the, go through the motions that they are expected to go through to exist in polite society, even though it is not natural for them to do. And I do that myself. Right. It's, it's, t- it's time for me to nod because that lets them know I'm listening. Exactly. And I do that myself to some degree, to a greater or lesser extent. I'm not, I don't know the experience of it, but anyway, that's. That's the more correct, mature move to do that you eventually learn as you become an adult that you can't just indulge here. Yeah, it would just be it would just be provocative. Um, I'm sure. It, well, I'm not sure, but I imagine it was in that uh, previous great episode that that I said a similar thing, but that's a long time ago. Um, I think that I think a risk of any of these big ideas and these thought technologies and these, these meme like ideas that get passed around. Um, I think one problem is like, it makes us look good. Like, I think there are certain kinds of things that we like to say, as Alex said recently, you know, the people who are most likely to talk about how they limit their kids' screen times are people who are like posting about their kids' screen times, you know, on Facebook, you know, it's not necessarily, it's like strictly hypocritical, but that we, um, if something made us feel smart, the reason that person says that to you at the bar, the reason that person tells you that you actually do have the Beatles play for 10,000 hours before they got good, which is just not right in any way, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know what? You know, what's a really solid thing to say was like, if you want to really get good at guitar, play it a lot. Okay. Here's one. You ready for one of those little, little small things? Somebody, somebody said this to me at a guitar store in probably 1983. He was, he was probably super high, but it's really true. It's not how many years you play. It's how many hours you play. How many years you play guitar means nothing. How many hours you play guitar matters. And I'll let, let you sit with that. But I think that, that, is, that totally makes sense. I don't have any Malcolm Gladwell-style science on the exact number of hours it does take. I couldn't even tell you how many hours are in a year. I could figure it out in time. But I, I feel like the, the risk to any of these kinds of things is that we get so smitten with this clever thing we learned and we kind of mentally say tee hee isn't that clever i found a skeleton key and i want to tell everybody about it and if it's something especially if it's something that's very not just socially acceptable but socially rewarded the kinds of things that parents sort of back end what do they call it uh jenna maloney the backdoor brag we sort of backdoor brag about when we're hanging out with the other moms you know what i mean that's the downside of this is we get to say well i figured out what what it takes is grit so i'm really encouraging tyler to have more grit and we're taking grit lessons and we've got, you know, a grit zoom we do a couple times a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think the biggest, you know, we've, uh, or did Pogo say we've met the, uh, we've met the enemy and he is us, you know, we, we get so enthralled with these things because we like talking about it in a way that makes us look up to date and smart. But there are other ideas in the world that are out there that are just not as cool or romantic or like easy to explain. They have not been, productized in the way that something like grit appears to have been productized. Isn't that kind of part of the problem? We, we start smelling our own farts and like think, think it's roses. 
Yeah, I was I was giving the most sort of generous notion of that when I was imagining the person saying in the bar is that they're just trying to express their enthusiasm. But there is the darker side of it, which is I, you know, I have a secret and I'm going to tell you and that places my status above you because you didn't even know about grit. But now you do. And we all know about grit. So just so you know, like you maybe you didn't know about the grit meetup, like you said, but we've been going into for weeks and here bestowed upon you. The lesser is the information of uh, from me, the intelligent one. And it is, you know, a, a status thing. Right. So they're. There are extremes in, in that positioning, but really both of those things are based on the sort of the fear of a complex scenario, in this case, parenting, and the attractiveness of a simple answer to your complex problem. Oh, finally, someone has a simple answer and I feel a moment of relief and then I can cherish the simple answer and I can either be enthusiastic about it to other people or I can be superior by saying you let Timmy huh. look at screens before two years old. Well, let's forget about well, his no wonder, No wonder he's like that. Exactly, right. It gets me yeah. thinking about the scene in Raising Arizona when um, H.I. and Ed, Ed um, go, like they're having dinner with his boss, you know, Glenn and Francis McDormand, and they're going through the whole thing about, oh, and, and actually, I believe, John Syracuse, uh, I believe that might be the scene from which I got the phrase, Precious Angel. Hmm. Remember? Remember she's going off, they're sitting outside the mobile home and talking about, oh, I'm next son, I want to have a big biblical name like Jason. And and going on, and the, you remember the line? Did you did you get him his dip tet? Mm-hmm. And did you? Oh, well, you got to get him his dip tet. And mm-hmm. and Ed's like, honey, oh, I can't do I can't do uh, Holly Hunter. <laughs> she's so good in everything, honey. We got to get him his dip tet. The thing that she had just heard about five minutes ago, and now she's already exactly. Switched to, to, Basically, yeah. she just read the Wikipedia article related John Goodman, or actually it might have been Dale saying, uh, <laughs> you know. If you don't breastfeed him, he'll hate you for life. Mm-hmm. Gail, that, Gail and Evel, that's his name. If you don't breastfeed him, he'll hate you for life. William Forsyth, what an unusual role for that guy. And he's so good at it. But that's that feeling. And I'm not trying to make it, I'm not trying to be like misogynistic about this. Although it is frequently, I feel like the moms that are doing that particular status move. But whoever it is, anybody in a position of whether or not, oh, oh God, what was I about to say? Anybody who's had a kid, no, no. So much of the worst advice you get are from people who have never had a kid, don't want a kid, and don't like kids because they they have a really steely-eyed view about what you need to be doing differently. You know, you oh, you want to do sleep training? I'll tell you how to do sleep training. I mean, yeah, like the people sitting on the couch watching the football game know just what you play to call to. Exactly. Uh, pocket Gruden's. <clears throat> I don't know. I this also is just part of this longer, larger, wider, deeper omnibus thing that I keep finding myself talking about a little bit. To go back to the beginning, how do you create a condition? Like, if you want, the, if you want something to be different in your team, you have to create different conditions. Or as I like to say, you need to change what you reward and what you tolerate. I, I, I think that's a good thought technology. I, show me the lie. Like, you can't improve your environment unless you're willing to, you know, move some things around, uh, like in, but then how do you do that? Like, how do you change the culture of a team? I don't know if I had an answer to that, I wouldn't be doing a podcast with you. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how you do that, but I really do believe that, and this is going to be, so on the one hand, there's the life hacks and specific tips. And then at the other end, there's the up in the sky stuff. And one of my up in the sky ideas is creating the right condition. Like if you're Steffi Graf and the other guy, and you could create a condition in which your kid could choose to get into a sport. Like you've got the, you've probably got enough room in the yard. You're not, you know, in danger of being evicted. You've got the basic existential runway to create certain kinds of conditions. You know, like, like I used to say to my kid, like, you know, some months are better than others for us, but like, I'm going to always do everything I can 
can to try and let you have access to art supplies and books and other stuff, you know, hopefully food, but like art supplies, like having an environment where it's okay to make a mess, creating an environment where it's okay for your kid to like music that's different than yours. We talked about this on Back to Work today, but you know what I'm saying? Like if there's anything like a skeleton key, it's like have your values and your goals, your desires, your wishes. <laughs> if you want all that stuff to line up, change the condition that you create, change the environment that you actively maintain. You know, Metafilter never would have gotten good if they hadn't had moderators. That's what made them different from everybody else is, you know, Matt and uh, uh, Cortex and uh, Jessamine would just, just, just throw you out and say, even before they like took money for it, like, just get out of here. You're you know, Sorry, you're not a good fit here, right? You have to create the right conditions for a website, and you sure as hell have to create the right conditions uh, for a kid, a student, like somebody you care about. Does that make any sense? Yeah, although I, I felt myself bristling about the very idea of a skeleton key. I feel like my skeleton key is the concept that there's no skeleton key, and <laughs> that, and that we don't even know where all the doors are. So, like, <laughs> just I, I hear skeleton key. I'm like, oh, I agree with your idea, but I don't like skeleton key. No. <laughs> well, perhaps unsurprisingly, you win this one. 